the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Friday, November 19th, 2021, as promised, our guest in studio. Delighted to have him as a dear and old friend of mine, Steve Moak, Jr. The holidays bring a lot of challenges, especially for those who are in recovery, who are working to uh, hold on to their recovery, and even for people who, uh, shall we say, uh, could use recovery. Uh, we'll, we'll get to all of that with Steve Moak Jr. in just a moment. If you missed um, my take on uh, everything surrounding the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, uh, we did that in the last hour. We'll revisit it again in the next hour. And, of course, anything you ever miss on this show is all available, always available at 960 thepatriot.com. Let's hope that this comes and passes quickly, uh, what took place in Kenosha, and of course peacefully, uh, because we are now going to deal with an issue that um, we wish would pass quickly, but seems to have gotten worse and worse and worse, and that's the problem of substance use in this country. Steve Moak Jr., uh, welcome back to the studio. I, of course, have seen you, but not in studio for a while. Last time I saw you, we were running a 10K. That's correct. Right? A St. Patrick's Day That's 10K. That's correct. Kiwanis Park, I believe. I believe it was. We were running with Hugh Hallman, if That's I'm not correct. mistaken, and his lovely wife, Susan. Um I don't remember who finished first. I do remember I got to the restaurant first. <laughs> that part I do remember. I remember, I remember I got, pancakes and bacon is yeah. what I remember from that morning. Pancakes anyway. Pancakes, right. as far as everyone knows. Pancakes. <laughs> Steve, uh, and maybe we'll do the turkey, turkey trot next Let's week. Let's do it. I'm ready if you are. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Maybe. I'm signed up. We'll see. We'll see. I, I um, Send me the info. Okay, I'll, I'll done. Do it with you. We've done it before in the past. We have. It's can, fun. Can we drag your dad into it, too? Let's get Senior out there. Let's see. He'll, he may hobble a little bit, but he'll do it. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> Let's see what he's got. Steve Moak Jr., tell the audience who you are and why um, why we are friends and why your story is important. Sure. Seth, I, I just thank you for having me. It's, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, so my name is Steve Moak Jr. I'm, I'm CEO and founder of a company called ShareTech. Um, but most importantly, I'm a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder. I've been in the Valley 30 years, uh, went to elementary, middle, and high school here, and then on to college. But really, my journey around drug and alcohol addiction you know, started in middle school. I was at Kokopah, which is really strange because I now have a 14-year-old stepdaughter who's at Kokopah. And so now my brain instantly, when I think about my drug and alcohol use and really where it started, and now having a 14-year-old in the same exact school is like, oh, my goodness. I can't imagine what my parents must have been going through at that time. But that's really where I started to experiment with alcohol. And that's what it started with. It was actually cigarettes and alcohol at the time. So if people talk about those things not being a gateway, I I really push back on that because I firmly believe that it is. 
uh, which led into my freshman year of high school. I was very involved, too. Uh, and I know you know Not My Kid and your involvement there, and that's really where the name of that organization came from is a lot of my struggles. I was You're the kid and not my kid. I, if there has to be one, it was me. I was vice president of my class, captain of the various sports teams. I mean, well-liked, getting good grades, uh, all the things that I think you want your son or daughter to have, as I want my, my kids to have as well, too. And I was introduced to marijuana out on a, a school trip, actually a student government trip, if you can believe that or not, with upperclassmen, you know, very cute girls and the cool kids. And, and that was my first exposure to drugs, and it was marijuana. And, and I, I, I mean this when I say it, Seth. I remember distinctly that that filled something in me very quickly. And I think that, for me, looking back on it, was the sign of a person who has kind of that addictive personality. It, it instantly kind of filled something in me. And when I got back from that trip, immediately sought it out. And that was really of the, the beginning of a journey that took me down some really dark times, starting in high school, freshman year of high school. And instead of, you know, kind of achieving many of the things that I think I could have, it was, you know, coming home late from curfew, arguments with the parents, you know, going to counseling, drug and alcohol testing, grades deteriorating, appetite change, sleep change, you know, a lot of things in my world started to change. And uh, I really can look at like that one day on that one trip as kind of the thing that changed the course of my life. And it changed the course of your life, obviously, towards a downward spiral. And there were some successes, there were some recoveries, but there were struggles there too, weren't there? This was not a quick. Uh, this was not a. This was not a short journey. That's a, that's a great question. I always share that recovery is not a straight line up. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough after many struggles through high school and my freshman year of college when I went away before I crashed and burned and, and sought help to my family and enrolled in a treatments here a treatment center here in the valley. It was called Chandler Valley Hope at the time. It's now called Valley Hope. Still there. Great facility. Um, and I got clean and sober. Unfortunately, that during that time, I had three and a half years clean, and I always say I only had one relapse. It just lasted for a decade. Right. And that took out job, relationships, family, marriage, you know, things that I was very proud to have accomplished over the time. And, and really, it was, it was a tough, dark time before I re-sought help. And it really started my life over again almost 10 years ago now. Steve Moak Jr. is our guest. Feel free to give us a call, 602-508-0960. We're going to talk about holiday strategies uh, to keep your sobriety or to help avoid going down uh, further, further in, um, in, for lack of a better word, in the depths of, of, of any kind of dangerous or unhealthy substance use. The reason I bring up, Steve, the, the and you correct me anytime you think I'm saying something that that doesn't comport with your understanding. You're the expert. The reason I bring up the the difficult times that took place in your life after your first initiation to treatment and recovery and why you say it's not a straight line up is the reason why I have spent so much time in the prevention world because it is manifestly not the case that we get a lot of you. That is to say, even those who get to recovery are miracles. Those who get to recovery are the minority of substance users, those who ever get a chance at recovery. And of those who get there, the ones who keep it are also the miracles, are also the asterisks. 
the ability to maintain sobriety from use, that is to say to hold on and keep your recovery, the numbers are very, very bad even in the best of programs. The majority don't keep it. It's that hard. It's that hard to overcome addiction. Whenever I have speakers like you, I always point out, you guys are the miracles. You guys are the, um, you guys are the asterisks. I think I'm right about that. I think so. It's a daily reprieve in, in some circles. That's what we say. I, to your earlier point about the CDC and the 100,000 souls yeah. that we lost, it, it, it pains me greatly. I just had a close personal friend whose stepbrother overdosed. Let me, let me say this. To death? To death. Yeah. This, this person was not a regular heroin user. They were not a regular cocaine user. They picked up one time, and it killed them. I, I, and I, I just am glad I have the opportunity to, to say that on air, to get that out, because I think the misnomer is that people that are overdosing are people that are using heroin and cocaine and all these other hard drugs on a regular basis. That is just patently not the and case. Playing around and not That's following. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a person who picked up at a party and is no longer with us. There was Michael K. Williams, the actor from The Wire, who recently passed away. That was fentanyl. Right. I mean, this substance is making its way into everything. And it is not just the hardcore addicts. I'm doing my air quotes over here that it is affecting. It is changing lives from kids who are thinking they're taking a Percocet or Vicodin or something at a party. And now their son or daughter is no longer with us. I'm over here just. uh. Uh, The the, the stories are important. The numbers uh, help fill out even in Arizona, help fill out a little bit of the statistics. I'm reading a uh, brand new report. I can send it your way if you haven't seen it from the Arizona chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. So we're talking zero to 17 year olds. Um, And it's this report, which just came out uh, November 17th, a couple days ago. There was a 32 percent increase. It's almost a third. 32 percent increase in substance use related deaths from 2019 to 2020. Over the course of a year, amongst substance use-related deaths, um, sixty out of uh, sixty uh, out of sixty-six were opiate over- overdoses. Fentanyl responsible for most of it. Uh, did, preventable. Did, These are preventable deaths. This is denial. This is where not my kid came from. This is denial that it won't be my son or daughter. They would never be involved in this. They can are a part of X, Y, and Z activity. I really hope that we can start to dispel that because it could be your son or daughter and there needs to be prevention, right? There needs to be prevention. I know what not my kid's doing in the well. I'm so excited to see kind of the outreach, but them, it it takes so many organizations across the valley to get this message out. Let's talk about that and let's talk about what you're seeing with teens. Let's talk about signs parents should watch out for. And then let's talk about what we can do if those signs are not coming back green. Perfect. I'm Seth. He's Steve Moak. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Steve Moak Jr. is our guest. I should uh, give a website out for more that one uh, for those of you that want to learn more about him. Uh, there's a few, but I think the one that will uh, that is the easiest is. Um, BetterDrugTest.com, BetterDrugTest.com. We'll talk about that in a few moments um, and the whole issue of drug testing in a few moments as well. But um, during the break, Steve, uh, one of the interesting 
things I got. I got one email, one text uh, from two different people I didn't even know were listening to the show, old friends of mine from high school, saying thank you for having you on today. And then they each in their own way said back in our high school days how lucky we were because the challenges – we've had these discussions in the past – the challenges pres- present in the schools today – are just manifestly bigger, greater, stronger, uh, more dangerous than the challenges I had when I was in high school. And I dare say you're a little younger than me. I dare say when you were in high school. Some of us, uh, my friends included, think that it was a miracle that we got out. But boy, today one wonders whether we would have given those challenges uh, or if the same people would have gotten out given those challenges. What do you see in the high schools? What are you seeing even below high school? This is something your mom taught me. We started in high school. We had to start younger, Project didn't we? seventh grade. Yeah. What are you seeing? What are, what are, what are the means? Uh, what are the uses? What are the, what are the initiations? Uh, I think drug and alcohol use, from what I've seen, is increasing at the high school level, but it's also starting earlier yeah. than the high school level. And now with the expansion of edibles and legalized marijuana, we are seeing the dabs, the uh, shatter, the variety of ways to consume, in a much more discreet way, very, very strong and potent marijuana. And, and I think I've said this before on your program. Please don't try and sell me that marijuana is not addictive. Ask someone who was a daily user like I was to stop using, and it will impact your sleep, your irritability, your appetite, your mood, your memory recall. That is... And now you put it in the hands of a 14, 15, 16-year-old, and we're talking about stunting, really, their growth and development. And that is proven time and time again. That's not my opinion. And, and I think that's what we're seeing. And it just concerns me that with the widespread adoption that marijuana is, I don't know if it's an end-all, be-all, because first it was medicinal and now it's recreational the use. The of things it's supposed to cure are it, quite It's a large. miracle drug now. Yeah, better I, than aspirin. I, I, I'm I'm just at a loss, um, and I am not so anti-everything against it, but this, for kids, this has serious impacts. Yeah, it really does, and it's a weird thing about a society that goes into panic. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. It's a weird thing about a society that goes into panic uh, about a disease that affects people's lungs, as, as, as we have over the last two years, while 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds were given the right to vote to approve a drug that not only negatively affects their lungs, but their brains. I just think that's worth pointing out about the problems we have in society, about communicating the dangers uh, to our youth and what the real dangers to our youth actually are. So you said an interesting word, Steve Moak. Uh, you said the word discreet. Marijuana use can become, has become much more discreet, as has, as, as has all drug use really become much more easy to do covertly, easy to hide. Um, talk to us about why that's a problem and then what parents can do about that. So there are just so many different ways to consume this drug. And if we're specifically talking about marijuana, just with the e-cigarettes and the vape pens and things like that, it used to be a joint that was rolled in smoke and fire, and those were in a strong scent that would come off that. That is no longer the case. I mean, you can very easily conceal these things in really in everyday devices as well, too, that are made to look like other things. I actually brought a few things with me. I know it doesn't make for great radio. We, we can do it. We'll do but, it. But these stash cans and some of these pens that are made to look like other devices, they could be sitting in plain view in your child's bedroom right now today, and you would have zero idea that they were even there. So uh, let me have that, and I'll just see if I can't describe it. Um, 
Should we tweet a picture of it? Maybe we should tweet a picture of it. You want to? Do you have your camera? Just I turned it off. You know, on the radio, trying to be a pro. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's good. We'll use my we'll use my phone, the ringer of which is not turned off. (laughs) Sorry. All right, let's take a picture of this. So what I am holding is what looks like and feels like by the exact weight a Red Bull a Red Bull energy drink. Correct. A Red Bull soda. It is not. It is not. It has a screw top that is used to conceal and hide that's correct. paraphernalia. There and, are, that is, and that's one of about 50 different kinds of things I have seen, including things that look like, uh, what are they called? Not USB ports, but USB that's uh, correct. drives. Lip, lipstick, lipstick, can of Pringles, deodorant. This, these are items that you would have zero idea sitting in your child's room right now that is concealing. And let's... I mean, there could be much more than marijuana, yeah. by the way. Right. I mean, there is methamphetamine, there is cocaine, there are pills, there are oxy. I mean, this is the stuff that you are up against as a parent, that I am now up against as a parent, and why I'm, I'm speaking out so kind of adamantly against these things. So one of the things parents look out for these things, don't just look in the room, give it a once-over, uh, inspect. Inspect these things. If you see a soda can, I don't know, give it a little shake. All right. If you see some lipstick you didn't buy or a uh, a flash drive that doesn't look familiar, take a look at it. I, I would take it maybe one step further with drug and alcohol testing, right? Um, you know, you it, there is a strong case, and I know this will stir up a lot of calls and conversations around trust with your kids, but drug and alcohol testing as a deterrent, as a means of prevention, not as a means to detect use, as a means, and it's a big difference. Yeah. Make, that, make that clear again. It's a great difference. I love the distinction. It, it is a, testing your children as a deterrent. As a deterrent, as a preventative right. tool. That one-time use that I was just talking about that ended a loved one's life that I know last week, I'm not saying it could have made the difference, but it, it could have played a role in impacting that. Again, these things, they're not just killing that drug addict that you think of on the street one-time use a percocet that they find at a party and they pull out of a cabinet or something like Which, that by the way may not be just a percocet that's correct that's the important thing this is how people like prince died that's correct i mean this is how people like a lot of people we know died but if you need a famous face on it you know people say well prince died from a fentanyl overdose well he didn't think he was taking fentanyl that's correct he did not think he was taking fentanyl and uh, it's important to point out, by the way, I think, because people get confused sometimes a little bit by the terminologies, you know, fentanyl itself, in and of itself, does have its med- medicinal and legal uses. Every, every, every physician knows this, particularly anesthesiologists. I've been told fentanyl is the uh, most readily usable tool in the anesthesiologist toolkit. We're talking about the illegal stuff that gets right. mixed into pills. Um, and that is mostly coming in actually through the border these days, but is also made and manufactured in the United States, certainly distributed, uh, dead, deadly, deathly so in the United States. Uh, Steve, more on drug testing for a moment and the preventative nature of it. Um, I have learned this from your parents, uh, Steve Sr. and your mom, Debbie Moak, who many are familiar with on this show, uh, that there's a couple points to it. One, maybe even just put it on the kitchen table. Maybe even without even saying anything, just put it on the dining room, kitchen table, or kitchen counter. Um, 
And then two, it has a great use. I'm setting this up for us to talk more about when we come back. And then the other part of it is um, the other part about it is for children to use in school in talking with their kids so as to avoid peer pressure. Those two things on drug testing. Can we talk about them when we come back? Sounds good. Perfect. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Steve Moak. Happy to take your call. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Steve Moak Jr. is our guest. 602-508-0960. We'll get to the holiday advice in a few moments with Steve uh, we're talking about uh, the challenges with our youth, especially uh, when there are so many substance use opportunities, so many dangerous opportunities, so many more opportunities available to our youth, and hence so many more dropouts, so many more, so much more family strife, so much more depression, and sad to report, yes, also so much more death. We were talking about the use of uh, drug testing uh, children and drug test kits. And I said, uh, as I learned from your parents who um, uh, helped found, who did found Not My Kid, notmykid.org, they, um, they introduced me to the notion of the importance of, of drug testing for at least two reasons that have stuck with me, and I've been a believer and an evangelist in it for a long time. One, just put it on the table without even mentioning it to maybe start a conversation. And two, how it helps with peer pressure. Would you like to go into those things, Steve? Not anything else. No, I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter at my home. I mean, she has the ultimate out. Her stepdad owns a drug testing company, and and we keep a test at home, and it gives that person an out. Mm -hmm. It, It really does. Hey, I'd love to, but I can't because of X, Y, and Z. And she has shared that with her friends, and we have spoken with many parents with whom we've provided testing for. It is a great tool on the prevention side because if we can focus more efforts on the prevention, I mean, we are saving a lot of time, effort, heartache, family loss if we can really spend some time and efforts. And drug testing is a great tool amongst many tools that we advocate for. And, and I grew up hearing this from Steve Sr., trust but verify. Yeah, sure. And. And it is true, and now I find myself saying that to our kids. You look at their report card and don't just believe that they told you they have straight A's. You would like to see. The same principle applies, and I would argue even more importantly because it could potentially be a life or death matter when it comes to drug and alcohol testing. Peer pressure was always one of the big drivers of people who uh, were good kids and uh, said, you know, that they, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't resist certain peer pressure. The drug testing is that out. I can't because I get drug tested. It's perfect. And if you just set one down in the living room, perhaps it has the kids starting to ask, what is that? What are we going to do with that? And I think people should know it. That drug testing is not what maybe they thought of it 10 years ago. You're on the front lines of it. Again, your your, your website, betterdrugtest.com. Tell them about your drug testing. So I'll share briefly on what that is. I mean, point-of-care cups, those are wrought with false positives, false negatives. Those are the cups that you can buy at CVS Rite Aid on Amazon and things like that. A little they, bit la- la- lacking in dignity, it, too, They right? are. Yeah. It requires an observed right. collection. That means... Eyes on stream. Sorry to you know say it that way, but that's what that means. And if you are not doing that, and most parents don't want to do that, even if you close that door and leave just a little crack, there is an opportunity for substitution, dilution, and additives. There are even prosthetic devices, Seth, that exist in the world 
two falsified drug and alcohol tests that use synthetic urine. So well, we I'm looking at some now. You bought, you, <laughs> I brought in more of my show and tell props. No, it's it's incredible. You can buy legally buy That's in stores in this city stuff that helps you get around a drug. I bought test. that 2 days ago yeah. from a head shop here in town and the gentleman who sold me that was telling me that this is his number one choice to evade and pass drug tests. Quick Fix Plus. Yeah. I don't mean to give it a plug but I want parents to be on the lookout. It's for synthetic it. urine. It has a it actually has a little heat sensor on the side of it too. You heat it up and it will tell you the temperature because that's one of the ways that they use to detect uh, that urine is not stored and things like that. So they have it down pat. What we built at betterdrugtest.com is what we call DNA-confirmed at-home drug and alcohol testing. I won't get into the details, but it allows for unobserved drug and alcohol testing that can't be cheated, and we use the DNA and from an observed buckle swab to a DNA we extract from the urine to match the sample. So really unique. We're on the leading edge of this, of bringing some dignity back to drug and alcohol testing. And again, it's just another tool and a series of tools that can really help keep your family from having to go through the same things my family went through. I have to tell you, some days I wake up a little more angry than other days. Today I was on my more angry side. And when you walked in with these, uh, what would you call them? Um, What do you call these things? These are masking agents. These are are flushes. These are detox pills. These are shakes, drinks, mouthwash. Ways to avoid a positive drug test. And they are designed just the way other things designed for children are designed they have flavors. Right. They look kind of cool. This one is called. Can I? I do you mind yeah, if I no, say the name? I'm ahead. not promoting it. I no. want parents to be on the lookout. High voltage detox double flush watermelon flavor. In a rush, need a flush. Yeah. In a right. rush, need a flush watermelon flavor. Right. Just something primed for a child. Um, Steve, when we come back, this was a short segment. Let's get to the holiday situation and the challenges holidays bring to families and friends who are dealing, struggling, and observing all of this. Of course. Can we? I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Steve Moak Jr. is my guest. We try and have him on every year around the holiday time, uh, trying to help people who are in recovery or seeking recovery or families and friends of those in either of those categories. On the break, we were talking about the social and economic costs of this stuff. Just to give folks an idea, we're having a lot of conversations about economic problems in this country right now, budget deficits, state, federal spending, you name it. Uh, and we don't need to spend too much on this, too much time on this. I just want to underscore this discussion needs to be part of that discussion too. You and I, last time we looked at these statistics, now again, accepting for the moment the social cost, the human cost, and obviously all the things that fall from that, the actual financial cost to the state of substance use problems, of drug addiction problems. You and I were looking at some numbers last time we had been investigating cost to Arizona is about $400 million. Those numbers are not $400 million anymore. We are now approaching $1 billion. We are approaching close to 10% of what this state budget is in dealing with these problems. Now, you want to deal with budget problems? This is another reason to deal with this issue. Now, on the social aspect of it, Steve Moak Jr., holidays, challenges for those in recovery, those seeking recovery, challenges for the families and friends of those in and seeking. And it becomes a confluence of real, real challenges, real relapse, real use. Advice. Sure. So, you know, I always couch it as, you know, my experience and less than advice. Yep. But 
one of the byproducts of COVID is how it changed the recovery community, and I would say this in a positive way. There are so many virtual outpatient programs, virtual treatment programs, you know, rehab in your pocket through your mobile device. There are great, great tools that for a lot of folks, maybe the, the issue was walking in the door of a treatment center and, and actually getting there. That's not the case anymore. Virtual services have expanded rapidly, and I encourage anyone, if, if walking into a meeting of any shape or form or treatment center or outpatient is too much, let's start, let's start with some virtual support and see if we can just get you connected. The number one thing I can share from my experience is don't do it alone. Isolation is the enemy. And get connected with the community in some way, shape, or form. And if that starts virtually through your phone or in some manner like that, let's let's start there. I have an email from a listener of ours uh, praising uh, your work and and uh, the discussion we're having. Among the other things he writes is, my 21 year old son went through a really difficult time with substance abuse. Has been clean for several months now, but has a personality that one might call addictive that I am concerned about. How um, how do I deal with this? He asks. Uh, a lot of it is what you said, but take another take d- d- address this father directly. I, I can relate. Sure. Um, you know, this isn't something that they will just go through temporarily. Right. This is ongoing. Yeah. Right. This is now this is lifelong. That issue. is that is correct. And, and and that sounds daunting, but it's a daily reprieve, and we do say kind of a day at a time. But you know, for me. I take many of those addictive tendencies and I'm able to put them into different uses, you know, whether that's exercise from running to boxing to lifting to hiking. That is kind of the outlet I choose to channel a lot of those things. And now it's in business in a significant way. But there are creative avenues that people can get engaged with. And I encourage, you know, that individual to kind of search for what brings them joy and see if they can connect with that or if there are others similarly within an artistic community, an athletic community, to get engaged with them. Again, anything but trying to do this alone would be the suggestion I would have to those that are out there wondering how to deal with party season, quote-unquote, that's coming up. We talk about triggers in this world a little bit, and I don't know if you'll agree with me. Some might consider what I'm about to say controversial, but I have come to believe that those who have an early grasp or a tenuous grasp or early sobriety – uh, thinking about going home to families that they are very worried about those environments, uh, the stressors, if you will, to say nothing of you know other issues of of going back to other geographies of previous lives. Maybe not always should the person in early recovery do that. I heard someone once say a little cynically, "Don't just necessarily leave people you love to be with your family," <laughs> which is a little too cynical. But the point being. Maybe avoid those stressors early on sometimes. I, what I hear you say is it's okay to say no. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And I have been a people pleaser and wanting to be there and be a part of, but it's okay to say no. It's okay to have boundaries. And it's okay to communicate to those folks that, hey, you know, right now where I'm at, I feel X, Y, and Z. That's okay to say those. If it's a challenge to kind of communicate that one-on-one, check out a talk space for a, a quick counseling session. Maybe invite mom, dad, husband, wife, brother, sister, whomever that is. I mean, there are so many tools available to folks now. And I'm not talking expensive, expensive things, but that may be able to help, you know, individuals who are struggling with certain things. So just, you know, kind of look at the resources that are available and, and just kind of take that first step yeah uh, that's a that's a really important point not 
everyone likes every program, but there are no shortage of programs Correct. that cost less than the cost of a cup of coffee. There are programs that do work for people Look, if they work the program that cost less than a cup of coffee. You can start with meditation. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, whether you want to use an app like Calm to kind of get started, just try some things. I can't tell any one of your listeners exactly what's going to work for them, their husband, their wife, their son, or their daughter. But I can say that there are enough things out there that if you just search around a little bit, that you're going to find something that can help alleviate the stress, the triggers, give you coping mechanisms, connect you with the community. And all of those little things are what can make the difference in kind of making it through this holiday season. Little things. That's an interesting thing, too, because it's the little things put together done right that get you to the uh, to the big to the big win, to the big victory. One of the little things I have come to learn about from people I've talked to and, and seen in action is holiday time, worrying about not being able to have a, a drink in their hand at the holiday party, at the Christmas party, at the family or friend's dinner. And this is this is really more more myth than anything else because the people that go to those in their first year and then come out They'll say, well, yeah, I was, you know, I was just drinking, you know, a 7-Up or a Sprite or a soda water the whole time. And you know what? People really didn't notice or say anything. They're worried about people saying, oh, I see you're not drinking. People don't really say that anymore. They, they don't. Yeah. They, they really don't. It yeah. may have been a thing five, ten years ago. Yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, if you just have a glass of anything in your hand. I've been in those situations, and you walk into the room, and it feels like there's a spotlight blaring down on you and what's in your hand. And I can tell you, I've been to parties with my wife, who's also a person in long-term recovery, and we have a cup, a Fresca, a you know, a LaCroix typically is what we have, or something like that, and no one bats an eye. It is in between our ears, Seth. It's the thing that we make it walking into it that is creates the anxiety. It's not the actual event when you're there. That's exactly right. And the thing I've learned, I think probably from your mom as much as from anyone, is don't think about the whole big picture, right? Think about truly this one day at a time business might be too generous. Maybe think about an hour at a time or even sometimes a minute at a time. I like right? it. When we come right back, Steve Moak Jr. will give us his uh, concluding thoughts on this. We will be right back. The challenges are so great when it comes to substance use in our society. Not my kid, which your parents founded, which I'm pl uh, pleased to be a part of, uh, Steve. Um, when COVID hit, we knew we would be in uh, in dire straits with increased challenges to our youth's mental health, social health, emotional health, substance use problems as, as well. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. just why I'm so dang proud of this program your folks started. Uh, while other organizations and corporations, I should say, were laying people off and were furloughing people, we hired more. While others were retracting, we built bigger and decided to expand our level of services from prevention to beyond to every the whole the whole spectrum of 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 dealing with use um, because we knew this community needed it. Boy, does it. Boy, does it. And uh, we are pleased uh, to be there, even if the job is one that no one wishes they had to have. But human desires do increase with their means of gratification and the Instagrams and the social media, all of these 
or additional problematic factors uh, or challenges to us. Last couple minutes we have together, summarize whatever you would like to say about the challenges facing our community and uh, the ways out. I'll start with optimism. Uh, You know, these are challenging times. I see communities rallying together to make a difference. There are so many great tools and apps and people and nonprofit that recognize this, but we can't stop. Uh, we need to use all of the tools at our disposal to really make a difference. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sitting down in front of you as, as a parent now. You know, before I'd been a person in long-term recovery, and there is just a shift in my mind in what we need to do to make sure that these kids are growing up in a safe place. Drug and alcohol testing is one thing. Getting community involved is another thing. You know, being engaged in extracurricular activities, whether it's sports or acting or whatever, there needs to be a sense of community for these folks to really feel a part of. I think that's even more important coming out of isolation and COVID and detachment and all these things. But I do feel optimistic. Now, I will say... This is a scary time with fentanyl, and I am specifically calling that out because it's making its way into every single drug, even marijuana, that is out there. And that one-time use, if you take nothing away from this, one-time use can kill your loved one, son, daughter, husband, wife. And I really hope that people hear me say that that is not just the addicts, that this is out there. And I really, really just want to make sure that people are aware of how prominent that it's out there, and we can really choose to take action now. Thank you, Steve Moak, Jr. Can I give out your website one Please, more and thank time? You. People want to learn more about you and what you're up to. Uh, we share. I, my, I can't read my own writing. Yeah, it's WeShareTech.com or BetterDrugTest.com. Yep. All right, That's let me correct. do that clean. BetterDrugTest.com. I did it clean. You did it. <laughs> Double thank entendre. <laughs> BetterDrugTest.com. No, Steve Moak, Jr., thank you. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.